0: Revelation 12:11: What does that say? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I'm going to give you the word of my testimony today, and I'm going to be an overcomer in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I gave my heart to Jesus when I was five years old. I was raised in a Pentecostal church in a Christian home. I grew up very involved in church activities and youth ministries. Well, once I became a teenager, things took a turn for the worse. And, you know, I never could put my finger on why did I become a drug addict? You know, I wasn't abused. I wasn't neglected. Nothing bad happened to me as a child. Like, why did that happen to me? And pastor's message last Sunday, like a light bulb went off when he said, um, he said, this generation is bewitched. or something to that effect. And I know he was talking about this generation, but I got to thinking, you know, my generation might have been bewitched also, because I got to thinking about it, and everyone in my huge youth group that I grew up in, we all were so in love with Jesus and on fire for him, and then we just turned our backs. We all rebelled in one form or another. So it's kind of crazy how that worked out. but. When I started to rebel against all authority in high school, I began hanging out with the wrong crowds, skipping school, experimenting with drugs throughout my high school years, and by the time I started college, I was snorting cocaine every day. While in college, I lived a double life. I was partying hard during the week and then attending church with my family on Sundays. They had no idea the trouble I was actually in, and quite frankly, neither did I. At the age of 19, I found out I was pregnant. I was so scared to tell anyone, so I made the horrible decision to leave town and have an abortion. This choice I made changed my life forever. Even though the procedure was legal, it was also very unsanitary. I found out later this very doctor ended up going to prison for killing several young girls. I almost became one of them. A violent infection set in, and though my life was spared, I was informed I would never be able to have children. For years, I held on to this tragic secret I didn't tell anybody. I knew what I did was so wrong, and it slowly destroyed me inside. I became so angry with myself to the point that my childish rebellion turned into full-grown rage. I had completely turned my back on God, and he had completely turned me over to my sin. This anger and desperation led me to harder and harder drugs. I was searching for anything to numb the pain of my poor choice while at the same time trying to destroy myself. I just couldn't live with what I had done. Then one day, I was introduced to a substance called crack, and I foolishly thought I had found what I was looking for. Crack cocaine is a highly addictive, deadly, and expensive narcotic the more you use, the more you need. It's literally just never enough. My habit eventually climbed to nearly a grand a day, which led me to a life of crime. I would walk the streets here in Cape and even in East St. Louis all by myself, slept in burnt out abandoned billions, uh, buildings dug through dumpsters. I stole from family and friends. I robbed a liquor store and I shoplifted until my life spun completely out of control into a vicious cycle of crime and jail time. At one point, I had actually been arrested over 28 times. My parents never knew where I was, if I was dead or alive. They would post flyers trying to find me. They even had guns pulled on them from knocking on crack house doors, but they never gave up on me. Thank you, mom and dad. (laughs) I love you. I used to call and beg them to just leave me alone and let me die, but all it would do was just push them to fight harder for me. The judge assigned to my many cases continuously tried to help me by putting me in various rehab programs, eight of them to be exact, but none of them worked. I seemed to steadily get worse and worse. One evening, I had just gotten out of jail, and I ran into a guy I had met at one of the rehabs. He opened his trunk and showed me the largest amount of crack and cocaine I had ever seen. I got into the car with him, and we went to his apartment, which was out of town. As we started to get high, I kept feeling uneasy, like something wasn't right. He kept calling me by a different name, but I just ignored it. But the more I ignored him, the angrier he became, until out of nowhere he hit me in the face and knocked me to the floor. He jumped on top of me and kept hitting me over and over. I couldn't believe what was happening. I was in the midst of a full-blown savage attack. Fearing for my life, all I could think to do was cry out to God. So as loudly as I could, I just screamed, God help me. Immediately, the man got off of me, and that's when I saw my chance to get away. I ran to the door but couldn't get out. There were all these elaborate locks all up and down the door, and as I frantically pulled at them, I felt a hand grab my shoulder. Assuming it was my attacker, I turned to look, but no one was there. I turned back to the door, and it was suddenly wide open. (laughs) Yeah, God's good. I ran outside only to find myself wanting to sneak back in and somehow steal those drugs. And I know that sounds crazy, and when I look back on it now, I know it was crazy, but addiction is crazy. It makes you crazy. It makes you in a, live in an alternate realm somehow where you just don't think straight. So as I wiped the blood and tears from my eyes, I proceeded to go back in when suddenly I heard a voice inside say very plainly to me, if you go back in, you will never come out again. I knew God was warning me, and for the first time since the age of 15, I actually listened to him. I ran to a neighbor's house. A sweet old lady helped clean me up and let me use her phone. I called my family, who in turn called the police of that town. (laughs) I had several warrants for my arrest, of course, so they took me to jail. One of the officers I remember very clearly was a woman and she just kept telling me how loved I was and that God had a plan for my life. And I will never forget her as long as I live. But my parents found out later and told me there was no female officer on duty that night. And I know it was an angel from the Lord to comfort me and give me hope. <laughs> So that very night in that dark, cold, dirty, disgusting jail cell, I fell to my knees and thanked God for saving my life. At that moment, I confessed my sins and asked him to forgive me. I vowed right then and there to stop serving myself and start serving him. While I was in jail this time, I felt different. I was witnessing the inmates, attending the jail ministry meetings, and reading the Bible every second I could. My attorney had given me little hope this time. He told me the judge wasn't going to give me any more chances, and I was facing up to 42 years in prison. It was a lot to swallow, but my heart had changed, and I had resolved myself to pay my debt to society. I even told God, if this was his will, then give me a ministry in prison. That's when I knew my life was no longer about me, and it was all about Jesus. Miraculously, the judge sentenced me to a year at Teen Challenge of Mississippi. You see, all those other rehabs left out the most vitally important part of recovery, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Teen Challenge discipled me to the point that after I completed the program, I went back there to teach for four more years. And because it was so successful, my judge actually started sending other women to Teen Challenge that he normally would have sent to prison. And he told me he was proud of me, <laughs> which was awesome. The scripture I stood on and still do was Romans twelve two, which says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And It's so true. I met my husband while I was in Teen Challenge. The Lord immediately gave us a ministry, and together we did great things in our lives. But I have to say right here, if you are not 100% relying on Jesus for everything, a relapse can sneak up on you when you're a drug addict. And It happened to us. My husband and I actually relapsed together after 12 years of sobriety. The enemy lied to us, pulled us back into bondage, We were caught unaware, and we got lax in the renewing of our minds. We had to learn that though we were redeemed at Calvary, the process of repairing the mind isn't a one-time event. It's an ongoing spiritual operation. We had to stop thinking like the world and start thinking like Jesus. We, of course, got in some trouble, but the Lord allowed us to go through the drug, drug court system. We both graduated, and we've been clean since December 2018. Yeah. (laughs) And we're on fire for Jesus. We're moving forward and we're never looking back. We're leaving the past in the past. We're both prodigals that have come home and we've been set free by his amazing grace and our chains are gone.
1: Woo! Hallelujah.
0: (laughs) I'm ready to sing now.
1: amazing grace
0: So much for listening.
2: I dropped my finger. I love you, baby. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that uh, Jesus changed her and brought her in my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, when 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 I got delivered from drugs the first time, and uh, I had made a mess of my life, especially in the women's department. So I said, Lord, I'm not going to choose the next one. I need you to choose her for me. And uh, I'll never forget the first time she walked past me, and the Holy Spirit said, that's her. I said, "Woo!" Tell me again, Lord. (laughs) And I knew it was her. I was preaching that night. um, And uh, boy, I was really laying it on there and walked around the end of it. I used to walk the aisles when I preached. And uh, she was sitting there and I looked her right in the eye and lost all train of thought. (laughs) My mind just went blank. And this June, we'll be together 16 years. We like to not have made it, but God, what God has put together, let no man tear apart. Amen. Our stories are pretty much the same. I was raised in Assembly of God Church all my life. Uh, I had a drug problem at a very young age. You see, my mother drugged me from church to <laughs> church. <laughs> I mean, if, if if we were having church, honey, I was there. Amen. So uh, when I'd gotten older, actually by the age of 16, God called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, I began to run from that call. And the further I ran, the worse it got and went to jail numerous times, more times than I care to count. It's not a good place. There's a saying in rehab, either jail or hell, thank God I went to jail. And if you know somebody that is on drugs this morning and they're in jail, praise God they still have a chance. Amen? I'll never forget, I've never had a problem with depression. And uh, my mother, I lost my mother in 2016, and I miss her dearly. She was a godly woman, served God all her life. And it was her birthday, and actually my wife was in jail, and I was stuck out in California in a big truck and and a deep depression set in. I said, you know what? I can take this truck and get it up to 70 miles an hour and hit a concrete overpass head on and take my life. That's where I was at. I'd had enough. It's time to end it. But I did the only thing that I knew to do I got in that truck and got down on my knees in that bunk, and my prayer sounded like this. God, help me. God, help me. As you you can see, I didn't hit the overpass. But as soon as I got back in Cape Girardeau, You see, my wife said, you'll never change because you never go to jail. You blow in, get your drugs, and you blow out. But God had a different plan for me this time when I come into town. I went to jail. After all the anxiety and everything from being in jail kind of subsided, and I realized this was the hand of God for my life. and began to thank him. For what he's done in my life And where he put me And um, I would get up early every morning And begin to read the Bible There were ministers that come And if if you're a minister And you go and work the jail God bless you Don't quit There's some good folks That's sitting in that jail cell They're not all as bad As they think they are Amen. And they're searching for something. They're searching for someone that can give them some peace, that can give them some hope, that can show them some love. Thank God for jail. Amen. It's better than the alternative. Real quick, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13. Seemed like everything just went along with the message and what pastor said about Free Chapel this morning. And I just want to give you a statistic real quick. Now, don't be like fake book and try to fact check me. This is my experience from being on the streets. About 70% of the people that are out there are hooked on drugs was raised in church. About 50% of those was raised in a Pentecostal church. But you see, religion has taught them a weak Jesus. I'll say that again. Religion has taught them a weak Jesus that is scared of your sins. Honey, I'm going to tell you, I serve a Jesus that hung between heaven and earth on the cross, and he took on every sin known to man. And Jesus is not scared of your sin this morning. (laughs) Matter of fact, he's with open arms wanting you to give you, give him your sin this morning. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're addicted to, he will deliver you this morning. And honey, that's fact. Woo! You have to let those out. They'll hurt you. <laughs> Amen. Pastor was preaching, I believe, Wednesday night. When, when I'm not here, I'm watching by, by on you know, Facebook and YouTube. And uh, he was talking about our world. You know, and not going to all the world, but going into your world. And boy, I tell you what, that just hit home with me. I said, you know what? I'm going to turn my world upside down for Jesus Christ because of what he's done for me. And I tell you what, if every one of us would just turn our world, just our world, our place, our position, upside down for Jesus Christ, we could see a change in this country. You see, this pandemic called drugs yeah, it was it's a pandemic. And it was here way before COVID. But the problem is the church put a mask on for years and And we've put it in the government's hands. And you see the government all they can do is lock you up. But it is a pretty good incentive program, I'm tell you that. But it's not the government's problem. The government cannot fix it. As you see that the, the, the prisons is a reviving door. In and out, in and out. In a, and we'll pull up on, uh, uh, on, the, on our phone uh, who's been arrested. And how many people we know that has been arrested again and, and again and times again that just keep getting in and go, going out and going back in because they don't have the love of Christ Preach to them. It's the church's problem. And the church needs to take back the responsibility and praying for those. Uh, I have a son and uh, had a son out of wedlock. And I don't mean to ruffle your religious feathers, (laughs) it happened. He's 22 years old today, and uh, his mother, um, and this is my wife, she is, she's awesome. She said, you know, her name's Melissa. She said she don't have anybody praying for her. Her mother's hooked on drugs. She's hooked on her whole family, and my wife took it upon herself. She said, I'm going to start praying for her. I was like, Wow. You know what? So me and my wife pray for her because she has nobody praying for. How many people do we know that don't have people praying for them? It's your responsibility, church, to pray for them. Amen. It's our responsibility. We need to turn our world upside down for Jesus Christ. And it starts with praying for those that don't have anybody else to pray for them. Those that are bound by addiction. Those that are bound by alcohol. Whatever the addiction is. Because they can be set free. They can be set free this morning. Philippians chapter 3 and verse, verse 13 I'm reading out of the King James. Not that it's better than any other one, okay? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, I see a lot of familiar faces that was out in the world with me on the streets. They know what that apprehension means. Amen. How many of us has been apprehended by the law? Yeah, amen. But thank God one day I got apprehended by Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand something. We no longer have to live our life in the past. But we live our life forward. You see, life must be understood backward. We understand it. Because we've been through it. But we don't have to live there any longer. We don't have to make decisions on our past any longer. Give you an example. A while back, you know, uh, when we got back on drugs and I picked up a nasty habit again, smoking cigarettes. And I was praying, you know, we got back into church and I was really struggling with this addiction. I was like, Lord, here I am, you know, saved. Come on. Sanctified. Put a little Church of God on you right here. Saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I was struggling with cigarettes. And it's... When you're driving a truck and you don't have nothing else to do, you smoke a lot. So I was praying, God, deliver me from these cigarettes. I even got Pentecostal on him. Dear God deliver me from these cigarettes. He said, what are you talking about? I was like, what? You know, I'm struggling here. He said, I delivered you from that back in 05. He said, what? Do you think there's expiration dates on my miracles? He said, you need to quit making choices based on your past. Life is understood backwards, but we must live life forward. That's what Paul was saying this morning. Hallelujah. We must live life forward. Quit making decisions based on our past, choices based on our past. I said, wow. You mean I'm already delivered? He said, yeah, you need to walk in your deliverance. Put it down. I said, yes, sir. You know, the very next cigarette I put to my lips was the nastiest thing I ever tasted in my life. I said, you know what? I don't even need this anymore. Hallelujah. I don't have to live there any longer. Hallelujah. I live my life forward. I don't know what's next. I don't know what the future holds, but he does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all I have to do is live in him this morning. How many of us has been delivered from some things in years past just to pick them up again? I want you to know there's no expiration date on God's miracles. There's no expiration date on his love. There's no expiration date on what he does for you in your life. Thank God. Thank God. Jesus didn't come to condemn, he came to provide a remedy. The gospel doesn't judge, it liberates. It'll change your life. As I was on the streets and coming in contact with different ones, and they would tell me, you know, I was raised in church. And their thought of God was that God was sitting up there angry at them because of the choice that they made. That God didn't love them anymore because they were a cold hard sinner. And they didn't deserve the love of God. This is what religion is taught. And we have lost a. Several generations, because they taught of an angry God, hellfire and brimstone. You know that you didn't deserve what God had for you, and I didn't realize how much God loved me till one day I was I got locked up in jail. And I don't know for fighting or something. I Went to jail a lot for fighting. Oh, I want you to know the devil lost a good right arm. <laughs> in this particular cell that I was put in, they held a Bible study every, every night. I was like, well, thanks, God. This is right where I need to be. And I remember my son was only about three years old. And I, I'm the one that took care of him. Like I said, his mother was a bad drug addict, and I'm the one that took care of him and was there for him. Well, I couldn't be there for him, so that night during the Bible study and prayer meeting, I just I asked the Lord. I said, "Lord, keep your hand upon dust. I put Dusty in your hands. You see, even though I was a sinner." I never lost faith in Jesus Christ. And I knew if I asked him to do something, he would do it. I believe it without a shadow of a doubt. I said, Lord, protect my baby. Don't let nothing happen to him. Well, I never dream. I'm not a big dreamer. That night I had a dream. I dreamed that my dad came and bonded me out of jail. And I said, Thank you, Dad, for getting me out. He said, I have some bad news. He said, Your son's dead. He he fell in a pool and drowned. I said, No. No. I asked God to watch over him and keep him safe. I said, take me to the funeral home. So as I was on, on the way to the funeral home, I began to cry out to God, not my baby. Please, Lord. I remember walking into that funeral home, and his family was there. They were all crying. They had him in the freezer part of it. And I remember walking up to the door, crying out, Dusty! Dusty! In the name of Jesus, get up! And all of a sudden, that little voice screamed out, Daddy! Daddy! Daddy, I want you to know my heart did flip-flops. I woke up out of that dream, and I got down on that disgusting jail cell floor, beating the walls. God, please, not my baby. Not my baby! God said, son. He called me son. He said, Dusty's okay. I've got him. He's in my hands. He said, Do you know how you felt when you heard that baby scream out your name? I said, yes, Lord, yes. He said, now you know. How I feel When those that are dead in sin Call on my name I want you to know that his heart Does flip flops for you Hallelujah he loves you that much And the Bible says, I believe that God stands up When he hears your voice And the Bible says Let God arise And his enemies be scattered Hallelujah I believe when you call on his name He arises and addiction has to flee Hallelujah sin has to flee in the name of Jesus woo don't be confused this morning Jesus loves you and he's with you wherever you go he said I'll never leave you nor forsake you and that isn't just to the Christians Whosoever. I was the national evangelist for the Church of God. Got pretty high on myself. Pride set in. I talked to Pastor about this. And and he said, I understand. Couldn't nobody out-preach me. You know, I, I could preach it. Pride set in. Things begin to fall apart in my life, and I was Lord. My prayer was like, Lord, don't you know who I am? Here I am. Come on. I began to. Lord, my business was failing. Things was just going, the, which I wasn't doing it the way the Bible told me to do it. Come on, there's a way. He has a plan. You know, uh, I used to hear this one passage: God's going to give me a million dollars. One day I asked him, I said, what you doing towards that million dollars? You got to give God something to work with. Come on. So I was down praying. I said, God, what's going on? What's wrong? What's happening? He said, "Uh, be honest with you. I was closer to you in your sin than what I am right now. I thought, oh, dear God, what have I done? See, you don't have to be perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. He said, I press toward the mark every day. You see, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what that thorn was. I've heard some theologians give their example, but they don't know. The Bible doesn't say what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. All I know is whatever it was, he hated that thing. And then he got mad at God because he prayed three times and it was still there. And God said, my grace is sufficient. And I want you to know this morning, his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is a whole lot bigger than your sin. He wants to deliver you and change you. My grace is sufficient. I believe that God didn't allow them to put what that thorn in the flesh was in the Bible for a purpose because then you could say, Well, I don't have that problem. I don't have that problem. And you'll go on. But the Lord didn't put it in there because whatever thorn you have this morning, whatever thorn in the flesh, whatever's keeping you bound... Jesus says my grace is sufficient. You can leave here set free this morning. Hallelujah. I believe it just as sure as I'm standing here this morning. You can leave. I don't care if it's depression, anxiety. Yeah, that's an addiction. Straight from the pits of hell. You can leave here set free by the power of God this morning. Every chain that has you bound. Can be broken this morning. Amen. You can be set free by the power of God. Yes. Hallelujah. John 8 and 36 says, Therefore, whom the Son has made free, he is free indeed. Yes. Hallelujah. Is yes. free indeed. No longer to walk in the things of this world, but you can be set free. By the power of God this morning, addiction is like a cancer as my wife told you that we relapsed and got caught up in some things and i had a we had a trucking business and uh We lost it all. We had three or four vehicles, a nice home. Within one short year, we were homeless, walking the streets. And it can happen to anybody. I don't know why or it just just happened. We didn't have anything, lost it all. But I want you to know today God will restore everything that the cankerworm, the locust, has destroyed. I know my wife stands up here and she doesn't look like she ever done cocaine. Amen. She doesn't look like she's ever hit a meth pipe. Now, me, I'm a little older. I mean, you know, it's. But just in a a short, what, three, four years, God has restored us. God has made us financially stable. Because he can, amen. last year pastor had us sow a seed and he said write on the envelope what you want from God so me and my wife we sowed the seed and we put on the envelope debt free it seemed impossible we had nine loans out Two car notes. And we were just buried up in debt. It was taking everything I made to just stay afloat, you know. I can tell you I stand here before you this morning, debt free. Wow. God's no respect respect a person. What he did for us, he'll do for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He loves you this morning. He loves you this morning with an everlasting love. God wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to have prosperity. He wants you to be rich. Amen. Come on. You don't have to be burdened down and be worried. See, worry is of the devil. And the devil wants us to load us down with all these worries so we get our mind and our focus off of him. Hallelujah. He'll set you free this morning. He'll set you free this morning. Hallelujah. Stand with me, if you don't mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're battling drugs this morning or any kind of addiction, if you're bound this morning by depression, or whatever the case may be, Jesus will set you free. This is just one part of my testimony. He'll heal you too, He'll heal your mind. Yes, yes. We have so much to talk about, me and my wife. You say she's been healed, God give her a brand new set of lungs. So if you're battling because of a smoking addiction or whatever, she smoked crack for years and destroyed her lungs. This is how good God is. She went, she couldn't breathe. She went to uh, the doctor, and uh, I just feel like telling this story if I can. Just bear with me. And uh, he took an X-ray of her lungs, and I'll never forget when she called me, just bawling. And she sat out there in the parking lot bawling. He told her that her lungs was the worst set of lungs he'd ever seen in his life. With scar tissue that could not be reversed. She would have to have a lung transplant if she wanted to live. So they ordered for the next week an MRI. MRI. Well, that Sunday we went to church. We were the associate pastors of the church, and I'll never forget this. I always opened the service up, and I walked up behind the pulpit, and all I could do was speak in that heavenly language. The Holy Ghost filled that place. When I come to myself and could speak English, I said, if you need something from God, step out in the aisle. I'll never forget as my precious wife put one foot out in in the aisle. Nobody around her. Nobody caught her. The Holy Ghost picked her up and slammed her to the floor. I thought, oh, Lord. But God done a lung transplant right there in the floor of that church. She went back the next week and had the MRI done and the doctor called. And usually it's not good when the doctor calls, you know. But the first words out of the doctor's mouth was, we have a miracle. He said, I have in front of me an x-ray of the worst lungs I've ever seen in my life. He said, I have an MRI in front of me of some of the prettiest lungs I've ever seen in my life. That's why she sings like an angel. She has the lungs of an angel. What God's done for us, he'll do for you.